0: It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy.
1: So guys, this is going to be one of our favorite topics that we like to talk about. We've been asked to collaborate with others in the the financial community, so we must be doing something right since people keep coming to us and talking about it. And Bo, I'll just blame it on the fact that you were just so daggum entertaining uh, three I years say? ago. What can I say? It's a curse. It really is. So with all that said, you can probably guess we're going to be talking about money and marriage. So this is The Money Guy Show. I'm your host, Brian Preston, sitting across from Mr. Bo Hansen. You can go check us out, money-guy.com. On that website, you can get downloaded where you can, if you want all of our archives, you can become a premium member. If you just sign up under our free membership, you get a few extra episodes Plus, you'll get blast emails whenever we have updated content. And, of course, you can keep up with us with all of our other social media contacts like Twitter, Facebook, and so forth. And remember, I think it goes without saying, our day job is we're fee-only wealth managers with offices throughout the Southeast. So check us out. We're serving clients in 27 states now. So if you like what you hear and you want to go a step further... We are your guys. Money-Guy.com.
0: Now, you said today we're going to be talking about marriage and money. So, if you're not someone who's married or not someone who's planning on getting married, Should you just turn off the show right now and not even pay attention to what we're going to say here?
1: Of course. That's the first advice I would give is just get the heck out of the room. You know that's not the case. What we're going to be talking about, I even have a little side tangent. It's not going to take a ton of time to go into it, but I want to talk to people. It all goes back to that last episode I did at the end of 2014 where I was talking about vision planning. and I'm going to share something I recognized very early, but I've also started to see a trend when I look at research reports from Fidelity and other financial institutions that are putting money into research to understand how people, their behavior, and how they're using their money, we're going to tell you how to use that today. So hang in there. I'm giving some life advice that could help everybody, not just my married people, not just the people contemplating marriage. Everybody can benefit, even your children. So let's jump into this thing. Bo, we have experienced and been a part of, I didn't even know these things existed, a tweet chat. We are we are tweet chatting now. Tweet chatting. I mean that's this is technology. First world problems here when you're talking about tweet chatting. Hopefully, if you follow us on Twitter, you
0: follow any of our social media, you've seen that that's going on. You're gonna uh, if it if it's before we're doing the tweet chat. Hopefully, you'll check it out. If it's after, maybe you want to go to Twitter and kind of review some of the things we talked about. But uh, yeah, we're going to be hosting an hour long tweet chat where we're going to kind of go over some similar things to what we're talking about today on the show.
1: And I'm sure Kaylee will reference back to Money Crashers. And then, you know, a few months ago, we did a couple money blog joint podcasts where we answered some questions on this exact topic of money and marriage. And I think it's always great to come into this. You know, we we won't spend a ton of time, but three years ago, Bo, you got married. I can't believe you've been married for three years now. And we did two really entertaining shows. We did one Right before you got married, we talked about some of the things you thought you were going to experience going into the marriage. One of the things that sticks out in my mind is that you had a $40 threshold. At any time your wife or you spent more than $40, y'all were going to check in with each other. And I told you she would spend more than that on just her bottle of shampoo.
0: Yeah, that was that may have been a little naive on my, my part. And then
1: the it. second thing that was very entertaining on this topic that I think solidified, um especially the entertainment factor that you provide, is the year after you were married. So your one year anniversary, we got to recover those topics. So if you're a member of the, the premium side of things, go check out those, those episodes. Those are some of our more entertaining, but I like to come in back. One of the things I like having really an understanding of the pulse of where the country's going with marriage relationships, and how that pertains to financial advice. And I I think it's great. Since 2007, Fidelity has been doing a couple's retirement study, and they update this thing every so often. And 2015 is one of the lucky years that they've updated it. And I wanted to share some some things I noticed. I think there's a very disturbing trend that I've been noticing for the last few years in this couple's um, study that impacts many more areas than just marriage and money. And I guess the key thing is, let me read these key findings, this executive summary of what they found. Now I want to kind of go on a a very slight sidebar to tell you something I picked up on, on this. And let's see if you got the same thing, Bo. So here's what, here's what the study found. This is, like I said, they've been doing it since 2007. It's an online biannual study that was launched in 2007 is unique. And that it tests agreement of both partners in a committed relationship on communication, as well as their knowledge of finances and retirement planning issues. So that's what Fidelity says about it. What I think is interesting, and I'm adding my own little side thing, is that I like that they go millennials, they go Generation oh, X, wow, yeah. they even do baby boomers. So you're getting a very good cross-section of a lot of the people. So everybody who should be looking at money is involved in this study. Here's what they found in their little blue box, the executive summary with key findings. It listen to this. It says, when asked how much they will need to save to maintain their current lifestyle and retirement, nearly half or 48% have quote, no idea. Hmm. And 47% are in a disagreement about the amount needed. Hold on. So does that, does that
0: mean, do you sum those two up? Forty-eight and forty-seven—you know, forty-eight percent have no idea, and then forty-seven percent are in disagreement. Does that mean in total, ninety-five percent of couples don't have it kind of nailed down? Is that can you interpret it that way?
1: I think that might be a little too broad, because I mean, because I have other stats that talk about the twenty percent who do have plans specifically. I think on the millennials, it is that low of a number, but when you get into the baby boomers there was approximately 20% of the people who had a plan. Still so, pretty low percentage. So very low, especially when retirement is any time, if not yesterday. So um, I don't know if I would interpret it exactly. I think there's some cross where both of them are in the, those same buckets. Gotcha. So I, I'd be careful reading it like that. But I do think you bring a valid point that even if you're looking at half of the population, when I hear the word no idea – I mean, I get visuals of cartoons where people have, you know, those, the cloud balloon pops up in their head and they're trying to think about something other than their money. And that, that scares the heck out yep. of me because this is something that impacts every one of us. The second point they had on the, the key findings page was when asked to estimate their Social Security payout in retirement, 60% of couples either don't know or aren't sure, even more disturbing, almost half – 49% of boomers fall into this category. So the key thing so you heard two big things there that I heard is that half of the people have no idea what they'll need in retirement and then when you even try to give them a bone and say wait a minute you know you have re- you have social security benefits that'll at least be coming your way how much are those people are like I dude know. i don't know. So so what this means to me when i when i was listening to this the the thing that i thought was a disturbing trend and this is the, the educational moment. Is I think that that's a lot of people are just letting life happen to them. I mean, remember, you're supposed to be the whole purpose of this podcast is to go beyond common sense. And if you don't even know what's going, your retirement's going to look like, especially for my baby boomers. You're letting life happen to you, and and the sidebar I wanted to go into is that, guys, if you will recognize it as early as possible, and I think there's never a bad time to learn it. If you will just not just try to let life happen to you, a lot of incredible things can happen to you. We can be talking about money and marriage. We can be talking about your jobs. I mean, I can tell you, and Bo, I, I get same thing for you. I got my first job because I went a step further when I found out about the company. I researched the company, went and talked to one of their clients. Bo, you did the same thing. Yep. I mean, after we interviewed, you actually came back and followed up with me weeks later just to see how you could become a better candidate. And I was so floored by that that I was like, there's got to be something to this guy. So I'm going to tell you, if you can figure out early, don't let life just happen and just accept the boundaries that you put yourself into or that life is giving you. I think it opens up the world. Absolutely. And, and, And as soon as you recognize that, there was a great quote that I get excited about just how y- you transition from that mindset of thinking you're con- constricted to what life is giving you to go in further by one of my favorite people, Steve jobs had a quote let me pull that page out. Listen to this. You didn't even know I was going to pull this up and not, when we did I, pre-show I, I, I'm planning, i not even sure
0: what quote you're going with. I,
1: I like this one. I kind of, I kind of get the hair on my, my arm stand up a little bit when I read this, you know, I think it's just the whole Steve jobs thing, but listen to this. It says life can be much broader once you discover one simple fact. Everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you, and you can change it. You can influence it. You can build your own things that other people can use. Once you learn that, you'll never be the same again. I mean... Drop the microphone.
0: I mean, to me, that sounds like he says that you can have an impact, you can make a difference... You don't have to let life just happen to you.
1: And I think getting this thing back on the tracks of talking about money and marriage, this whole research report that Fidelity did on couples and and their finances, it says that the biggest element to success and the biggest indicator is, do they have a plan? And I think that's exactly, if you look at what Steve Jobs is talking about, He's talking about if you can just make sure you visualize and put together a world and, and vision where you want to be, you have a much more likelihood of having success with it. Um, I, I thought pulling it up, this was an interesting thing. Let me find pull back up that page from the Fidelity study. It asked couples, American couples, Here, here's the way they headlined it. American couples worry more and plan less.
0: Well, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't
1: sound like a recipe for success. It said, when asked what their top unexpected financial concerns are in retirement, three-quarters of couples, that's 74%, surveyed said they worry about being able to afford unexpected health care costs. Okay. The second thing, the second highest unexpected financial concern in retirement mentioned by 51% of couples is outliving their retirement savings up from 42% in the 2013 study. Now, you heard what I just said. 51% are worried about outliving, but yet we just heard on the previous executive summary when you asked them, what do you need in retirement? I I don't know. I mean, Wasn't
0: that like 20%? I don't know.
1: I mean, it, 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 was, it was huge. It was, it was close to half, of, half the people. It like, I, was only I like 20% no who knew, right? 20% yeah, only knew, 20% yeah. had the plan. So that, that's the thing is that you realize, despite these concerns, and this is what Fidelity said, despite these concerns, only 2 in 10, 21% couples have already developed a detailed retirement income plan to help ensure they don't outlive their savings or take into account potential health care costs and their retirement savings strategy. So and and here's this is breaking down if you want to know by age group so you can tell if you're doing the right thing or see how much of an outlier you are on being for, you know, being a vision type person who's coming up with a plan. It said looking at the results by generation shows that only 10 percent of Gen Y's, that's your millennials, only 11 percent of Generation Xers and then 20 percent of baby boomers have developed a retirement income plan. That's kind of crazy. I thought it was just tying into, and then I want to give you some money guy tips and tricks on how you can make it through dealing with the finances of a a marriage. But listen to this. If you want to know how important a plan is to creating a solution for you, listen to these things. People who have a retirement plan in place, according to Fidelity, are twice as likely to expect to live a very comfortable retirement. That sounds good. More likely to be completely confident in assuming full financial responsibility for retirement. That sounds good. More likely to be completely confident in their partner's ability to assume full responsibility. Who doesn't want to at least have confidence in your spouse making good financial decisions? Less likely to have, quote, no idea. We heard that that right. um, when it comes to knowing how much they need in retirement. and Less likely to be concerned with unexpected health care costs less likely to be concerned about outliving their retirement savings, and then more likely to know where their important legal documents are.
0: So having a plan led to all of those things, right? Led to feeling so much more comfortable about your overall financial situation.
1: It was the biggest key indicator to success. I mean, we talk about that when we go to speak at conferences. I talk to people just like I mentioned in the last podcast of 2014, the vision plan. I tell planners... Draw out a list of what your clients look like. Create the A clients, B clients, C clients, you know, break them out that way and then visualize what you want and you'll be amazed at what happens. I tell individuals when we meet with them the same thing about coming up with a vision plan. I create an annual net worth statement for my wife and my, and, and, and for our household. You do the same thing, Bo. Yep. It lets us have complete discussions, but also visualize and dream about what we want the future to look like. And the human psyche is an amazing thing that if you will just come up with a plan, I don't know if it's the hamsters that are working at night or what's going on in the brain, magical things happen. It's just like when we did that ABC for my business planning side of things, Bo, you know you were involved with it. You look back at it four years later and you go, What did we do different? But now the list is completely different on A, B, and C clients. Absolutely. And I can't tell you any measurable thing that I did differently, but something behind the scenes worked. And I think it's that whole vision plan and just the the psyche and the ability. And you can do the same thing with your own personal finances, and I think that's a a super powerful thing. Before I leave this Fidelity study and give you the money guide tips that I think hopefully can help you navigate marriage and money, I thought it was always interesting They did in the study, what's the advice you would give to newlyweds? So they asked all these married couples, you've been married, what advice would you give to newlyweds? Listen to these. I'm only going to focus on the top two. 57% said save as early as possible for retirement. We've been saying that forever. That's the Money Guy Echo, right? (laughs) Definitely. I mean, if you can create your army of dollar bills working for you so you don't have to work with your back, your brain, or your hands... That's powerful. So people always have regret that they didn't start sooner.
0: Most viable money that you ever save is the first money you save, It's right? That's true,
1: because that's the foundation of that army. And the second thing, make all financial decisions together. 41% talked about how important it was to make decisions together. That's That sounds like effective communication right. to me, and that sounds like that's why that net worth statement where you're having those annual meetings with you and your spouse Really can do some incredible things.
0: And that's not suggesting turn, suggesting that you turn a non spreadsheet spouse into a spreadsheet spouse, right? It's just saying to be on the same page in terms of why we're making these decisions,
1: why we're working towards these goals. Yeah. And that's, it's, you don't have to be the same. I can tell you by looking at our relationships, mm-hmm. we're not married to people that are wired like we are. I think we're no. kind of unique in the way we look at money and the way we're wired, but that's okay. It works. And that's what we recognize. Every relationship is unique. But your path to success can at least have some general skeletal, you know have a skeletal system that looks very similar in the fact that you're at least going through a plan of action and knowing what works for your family versus somebody else's family. I want to come up with, and I, I created five of them, a money guy plan of action and tips to help you navigate your financial decisions while through your marriage. And like I said, You don't have to be married. to Some of this advice is just good for everybody, but I do think it is especially helpful when we're talking about a husband and wife talking to each other. So number one, here's the advice I gave. Merge the two worlds versus colliding planets. Oh, I see what you did there. That's clever. What what, what I'm trying to do is I want you to create a plan where you know your spending boundaries. And this is where both, you went into the marriage with a spending boundary of, of, of $40. And I think you very quickly realized and this is what my wife and I have talked about is that spouses are different. I mean, my wife will go out, and, you know. It was going back to school, and she took our oldest daughter to go get a manicure and a pedicure, sure. and, you know. And, and that tinges a little bit because you know that's not cheap, but it's still it's okay. It's the same thing when she buys her fancy shampoo. She probably knows next generation of Apple watches comes out. I'm probably going to be one of the guys who lines up to get it. So understanding the differences. And then respecting that, but also putting boundaries so you're open in those lines of communications. Um also one of the things before we move past one, I think when you're merging the two worlds, you gotta talk about beneficiary designations. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you come into a marriage, you know, you're stepping into this relationship, make sure you go and look at your life insurance, make sure you look at your your retirement plan at work. Make sure you're updating those beneficiary designations because marriage is one of those life events where you need to go back and make sure that you're covering those risk elements. Same thing when you're talking about buying life insurance. We have the question all the time where I think people they, they get confused on this and the fact that they say, Well, my spouse stays at home with the with the with the kids. Do I need life insurance on them? And we say, without a doubt. Yep. I mean, because you know, if something happens to to that spouse that is staying with the kids. Know yes, they might not be generating income to the to the to the household, but they're definitely creating a value Value, to the relationship. And if something happened to them, it would cost money to replace a lot of those services while you're getting back on your feet. So you know, go look at that. I'm not saying you have to go buy two million dollars on your spouse, but definitely look at considering buying two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you'll find out term life insurance cheap. Mm -hmm. So that's something. Just you know, when you're when you're merging those two worlds. Those are some of the big considerations you can be looking at. Number two, money sometimes can buy happiness. Whoa, 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 Brian! That—that's
0: you. You must have a typo there because we've heard forever, money can't buy happiness. Well, it
1: depends on who you listen to. If you listen to rap songs, they tell you that money <laughs> does buy happiness. But then you hear listen to the old, you know, old-fashioned adages, and they're like, no, you, you know, money can't buy happiness. But I will tell you. And, Bo, you, you and I, when we were doing pre show planning, you said one of the easiest ways that you can tell that this is true is talk to a new wed couple and try to figure out who's going to clean the toilet. <laughs> that's
0: so true. That's I mean, so true. And, and
1: that's the relationship that my wife and I recognized when we first got married. We're both, she was working as a programmer as well. And, you know, doing her thing, I was doing mine. And, and you know you worry about you know there's there's even research out there that shows that a couple especially with children usually only gets to spend about 4 minutes a day with each other where they're not Just distracted time, yeah. with not distracted by the world that's around them so you can understand if time is so limited with couples that why wouldn't it be okay if you could especially if you're fighting over these things and that's the that's the situation my wife and I were in is that we were fighting over you know, who's going to do this responsibility? Who's going to clean the bathrooms? Who's going to demo the yard? And, and, and you, can't, you can't look at each other and go, well, you know, I'm working hard, I'm tired. Well, you're working hard, I'm tired. You know, and everybody's kind of looking at themselves, pointing fingers. We figured out the solution was let's hire somebody to do those services. Now, a lot of you in the tightwad nation are like, Brian, what are you doing? You can't spend that money, you know, and that might be the case for you. You right. have to look at your, your relationship and what you enjoy. I mean, I have a friend who just bought a house with six acres of some of the prettiest land you've ever seen, but I know it takes him six hours to cut the grass. Oh, that, that, for me personally, now if you are love to grass cut, then that's fine. But for me personally, that just sounds awful. I don't have the time for it. I, I just really don't. I mean, in my day to day life, you get busy. I've got, you know, I've got this business. I've got other things, community involvement, things that I'm doing with. I've got my family that I want to make sure that we're putting them first. You've got your, all those type of things are pulling on your time. I think that's what you do. You can justify, if you're limited on time, you can justify paying and outsourcing some of these things, but everybody's different. I know Kevin who's listening out there. You know who you are, Kevin. You're going to send us some more chainsaw photos and you're going to say, guys, I cut my grass. I'm like, of course you are, Kevin. You're like the, you're like the, the first sergeant of the Tightwad <laughs> Nation. So it's, um, you know, everybody's different, but I think it is okay. And that's why I underlined the word sometimes money can buy happiness. Number three, be careful of letting too many outside voices influence your relationship. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, and we're not talking about just family members, because you always hear about the mother-in-law's or the father-in-law's. Um, we're talking about your peer group too. Yeah. You know, how often do you hear about couples getting together and either the husband or the wife has trouble letting go of their friends that they go out with every so often? And it's, it's not even just the emotional pull of some of these outside influences. It's also that they might be telling you, giving you advice on how they handle their finances. That's not necessarily perfect for the way you and your spouse do it. And that's what you have to be very careful very early in figuring out that you and your spouse are a unit. You're an enterprise. You're working together. So don't let those outside influences. I know we, we all love our parents, but realize that there are limitations. There's nothing wrong with get, getting guidance, being mentored by either friends or parents or somebody who you know who has done very well with their finances. But at the end of the, t- end of the day, you have to come back to your spouse and recognize that that's your partner. That's mm-hmm. who you need to be dealing with first and not undermining them. Number four, I think this one's appropriate because we just got through doing that episode on professional athletes and how you don't make the same mistakes they've done with their money. Listen to this one. Big team, little me. Okay, okay. See, what I did there was I think you do big team, little me when it comes to your family finances because I think a lot of people, I don't know if it's a human nature thing or if it's... It's just what happens when you start having a little bit of success. A lot of people feel uh, ownership, entitlement um, to to what they generate and bring to the family. And I think you have to be very careful if you start thinking about in terms of me versus the team. Right. Especially if you have a spouse, a more traditional setting where a spouse stays home with the children. If you take if you take into account that you own that money because you generated that money, you're on shaky ground. I mean, if you want to know one of the things, I think every relationship that we probably, everybody has two or three topics they know they can't talk about with their spouse because you just know that's a fight. If you generate the money, have respect for that other spouse so that you're not putting ownership. You're looking at your relationship with your spouse as a joint venture, an entity where you guys are moving forward together. Mm -hmm. And that leads to... And recognize not everybody is the same, but I can tell you, especially if you're in one of the traditional situations where one spouse is staying home, a joint checking account is probably your friend.
0: Just joint finances in general, Yeah, right?
1: a joint is probably your friend, especially if you're in one of those traditional situations. And by the way, in this day and time, that is not the man making the money and the wife stays home. I can tell you I have quite a few friends, neighbors, Where you ladies are killing it these Mm -hmm. days. So I mean it is you can't assume anymore those old titles that people used to put on people. You you can't figure out which who carries the power or who carries the money in a relationship anymore. And that's why I think the best thing you do is have mutual respect for each other, do joint now I do know some couples that both are working and they have found that separate accounts work for them. But and I it think, works great for them, right? I, I think that's more of an outlier thing, though, than the joint. Sure. Um, so look at that. I think it's very important. Big team, little me, is probably a good way of putting it if you want to keep it simple. Uh, the last thing I had was, was number five. Was you heard from the Fidelity study, the biggest indicator of success was creating a plan of action. I mean, it was that simple. Create a plan of action. So I started thinking about, you already heard me share that time is so limited for me that I had to create some type of plan of action just for making sure the house didn't cave in around me and and we didn't have black junk in every commode in the house. I mean, we, we all have these concerns. Well, I imagine a lot of your personal finances, for a lot of you guys that are listening, now realize you're the top tier. You're listening to a financial podcast. You sought this show out. So you're probably doing most things in your financial life right. But I always ask people, number five, should you plan at the next level? Yes, you might have the aptitude. Obviously, you're listening to a financial podcast. You have the aptitude to be good with your personal finances. But because you're good at life and and business and whatever else you're going on, are you putting the resources to it that you really should? Because maybe you're working so much or maybe your family commitments are making it where you're not planning at that next level. Sure. So that's why I tell people number five was plan at the next level, kind of knowing when to go pro. Who should you, when should you bring in somebody to help you out and make sure you're checking all the boxes? Because one of the first things we notice when we start working with clients is that, you know, their cash reserves, you know, they get busy with life and maybe their cash reserves are getting neglected. They're not keeping a lot of liquidity. We see a lot of people. Really ignoring the risk management side of things, getting those wills and estate documents, especially if you have children, making sure that you have the right life insurance and beneficiary designations are doing all that they're supposed to. And then somebody just making sure you know the answers that Fidelity's asking, having that retirement plan that checks the boxes of making sure you are planning for that day that you have the choice. It doesn't mean you have to retire, but you at least have the choice of financial independence. And then you get into those, some of those secondary planning goals after you get passed out, like college planning, wedding planning, or just leaving a legacy with some of the charitable planning. There's all kind of incredible opportunities if you'll just take that planning to the next level. Um, Bo, we were talking about it. And you said, well, I hope people, when they hear us talk about this, they don't think that we're just doing a sales job here yeah. on that part. What, what, what were you saying about that? Yeah, so we, when we talk about
0: going pro, I mean, obviously we, we feel so fortunate that we've been able to connect with podcast listeners and we have clients uh, in over half of the country now and we've met and got to interact with a ton of you guys. But even if you don't hire us, even if you, you aren't comfortable reaching out to us and working with us, we still think it might make sense for you to go pro. There are tons of resources out there for you to find a really good fee only financial advisor to help you. So even if it's not us, do it because we think it's the right thing to do. Now, having said that, we'd love if you'd reach out to us because that's kind of, you know, we like working with you guys. Uh, but even if you don't do that, still know, know your limitations, know when there could be some value added to your professional, to your financial life by
1: bringing in a professional. Yeah, you know, and I'll tell you a step further. We have several prospects that have turned into clients from the podcast that truthfully in in another life, they could have done this for a living. They're that analytical. And a lot of them have brought us on because they, they want to make sure if something ever happened to them, that they had somebody that they agreed with the way they thought about money. So their spouse, who's just like we've talked about our spouses aren't the financially minded ones. They're, you know, they, it's just not what their interest or aptitude is in. That they have a step-off point where there's a transition there. I always thought that was a powerful thing. Um, I love talking about this. I, you know, the only thing I was a little sad, but I think it's a powerful thing. This money and and marriage, when it, it's just like when we have a brand new client meeting. I like to do the psychological financial psychology of uh, both spouses, so I can see how husband and wife bounce off each other. And I think that that's what the only thing I was sad about when we did the pro sh- the show prep for this. Today, Bo, is that I didn't get to get that contrast we've done in the past. It's so daggum entertaining. And yeah. that's one of the things, the reasons I love my job is I love seeing how you can take a, a husband and wife and spouses get together and, and they can be completely different, but they come together with their resources and, and they create a plan and it's successful. And it's fun to see how those different dynamics can be entertaining, but also just productive. And, and that's the, the thing. I know it wasn't as funny. We didn't have as many of our funny anecdotes that we typically do, but I think there were still some important things, um, some carrots that you could glean from this and, and really apply them to go beyond common sense in your own personal finances. Thank you guys for, you know, all you've done by putting those comments out there on iTunes, checking us out on Stitcher and iHeartRadio. If we could ever do anything, if you have any questions, because you guys do drive a lot of our content, you know, write the show. You can write me that's Brian, B-R-I-N, at money-guy.com. Or you can write my co-host, Mr. Bo Hansen, at Bo at money-guy.com as well. And um, we'll be back in about two weeks. And just thank you for being who you are and for supporting our show. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. And Brian Preston is a partner with Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management.